This is Brett Leonard, and I'm here with my son, Shannon Leonard, and this is What the F is the Metaverse? Shannon, why don't you just jump in with the news of the week? Wow, a lot of news. The LEGO Group and Epic Games have teamed up to build a place for kids to play in the Metaverse, and they just raised $2 billion in total funding from Sony and the firm behind the LEGO Group, and so that that's a huge story, but also... Algo speak is becoming increasingly common. There was an article reported by Taylor Lorenz about algo speak. So we'll get into that. And also we're going to talk about flaws in meta and slash Facebook slash Instagram conglomerates metaverse strategy. Some of the big flaws there regarding with their chips versus some competitors like Apple with their custom chips. And we have actually a whole bunch of news. There's there's some <laughs> Europe is developing a digital earth. Yeah, a digital, a digital Earth, digital Earth twin, yeah. so that climate change can be uh, can be studied. The World Economic Forum came out with that. Uh, well, let's start there. Let's start there before we get into the rest of it. I mean, this is you know, digital twins are becoming increasingly common. And in terms of what you know, again, the metaverse, a three dimensional immersive space. How would a digital Earth help us? What were, in, in, in your opinion, Dad? Well, look, th- this is a perfect, you know, what they're doing is creating a digital twin of Earth environments, meaning the data, the climate data, the weather data, and climate and weather are two different things, by the way, um, that go into uh, the biosphere. The whole mathematics of the biosphere can be expressed in a digital twin of of the planet that can then study that data, can study uh, the analysis of how climate overall in the biosphere affects local weather and and weather formation. And uh, it's a perfect example of a use of the metaverse, which is to, you know, mimic real life in a very, very strong and, and, and in a way that has a lot of veracity, especially mathematically, so that it can be studied from this other perspective and uh you know when and they're you even add, trying to predict things right i mean they're trying to predict oh yeah potential yeah, hazards predicting such as drought storms sea level rise and it's being developed in uh in partnership with the european space agency among other organizations yes ex- exactly and uh um, you know, one of the things I think that uh, actually the World Economic Forum came out with this thing about making the metaverse inclusive, um, which is is a perfect example. That metaverse of the uh, of for, for climate uh, analysis should Digital be something Earth. that's inclusive and open to everyone yeah. so that we can actually as a group mind, as a species, as global humans, we can actually look and see how the weather that we are changing as humans because of our activity is affecting all other humans everywhere else. And that's one of the, again, I think positive mirroring aspects of what a digital twin or a metaverse of real life can be. It can be something that brings to us in a more palpable and a more intimate way the understanding of how we are truly interdependent with each other, especially given how we're affecting things like the overall climate of the planet. Yeah, wow. I mean, my question is, are we going to be able to use Zuckbucks in Destination Earth or the Digital <laughs> Earth, as they're calling it? Which is, that's actually another piece of news. Zuckbucks was something that Meta is reportedly making. It's not a cryptocurrency. Um, anyways, just these are the random. I just mentioned it because like 
there's so many <laughs> the the buzzwords have gone off the charts. We've talked about so many buzzwords on on our episode. Oh my god! It's, even it's, in the first intro, we just mentioned like I, I hope people even <laughs> can understand. I, I <laughs> you have to listen to earlier episodes <laughs> to even decode the language we're speaking. Um, Which is why the podcast yeah. is called "What the F is the Metaverse." Of course, exactly. it's all self-reflexive <laughs> to itself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which anyway, we yeah, have so Zuckbucks. I don't know. I don't think actually it would work with the digital Earth concept because that's a very centralized concept. They're moving away from decentralized, exploring social tokens or reputation tokens. Do you think like in a in in, in like let's say we recreated the entire Earth digitally to to research what the effects of climate change could then you like do you think there's a value in then going into this world inhabiting it maybe getting social tokens or maybe climate tokens by using it or do you think that or those kind of ideas are just sort of the kind of fluff the the buzz that will eventually well there's some real use cases yeah there's some aspect to it that's the buzz but i think that that's exactly the way in which we can start to intimately work with each other not being in the same geographic location, but being able to inhabit these digital twins from anywhere remotely. So it it just allows a greater capacity for connecting the sort of neuronic pathways of the species, the mycelium of the species, uh, yeah. you know, in a in a way that actually has cogency to real life. And I think the connection between the metaverse in real life is really critical. That's why I like things like this climate change metaverse where it's real data about real life, IRL in real life going on that are is being reflected in the metaverse and then allowing uh, activity and analysis that happens within the metaverse frame connect back into real life and hopefully affect that in a positive direction. And that's, yeah. I think, a perfect example of, you know, a use of the metaverse that makes a lot of sense. We, we Again, we've talked a lot about how do you capture the genius of the group mind in a world in which we're all networked together into a metaverse or different metaverses. And, you know, that's the other thing that's happened. You know, there's so many metaverse platforms and projects that are that are cropping up everywhere. Uh, many, many. I won't go into the listing of them all because I think that's for everyone to sort There's of so many. research I mean, themselves. There's so many yeah. of them. And many of them have, you know, similar business models, similar sensibilities. Uh, some have radically unique sensibilities. Uh, one out of Saudi Arabia has the connection of between real life and the metaverse being a critical component of it. But of course, consumerism and commercial activity being at the center of that connection between the metaverse and real life. I was about to bring that up. You, you sent yeah. this video, which is about regarding the neom project yes and and if people Which are, another so friend of mine it's a, it's a metaverse today. yeah and another friend of mine just sent me today and i checked it out she had sent it to me and and it was you know something but that I, got, I, I gotta say though that, that this is the example of it's <laughs> of it reaching like peak buzzword so the the backstory behind the neom city so that there's a now a neom metaverse according to this video that my dad just sent me where they're putting a metaverse on top of a city and NEOM, yes. spelled N-E-O-M, all caps, is basically Saudi Arabia is building out the first, quote unquote, cognitive and smart city. But there's been a lot of critique against the city. Yes. I, a few a few months ago, I watched a whole like seven minute video break down how it was kind of, you know, this 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 city could kind of become a ghost city, just kind of a lot of cities in China that are built from scratch with these very 
lofty ambitions of being a smart city, but then the way that it's designed and, it, and it's it's kind of a way to get rope in real estate investment, um, and especially Saudi Arabia. I mean, we've seen in Dubai um, how there's many projects in Dubai that just were completely abandoned. Like they, they were going to build out the the earth when they had the, all those all those islands that created the earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then a lot of those islands are totally abandoned, except for one or two. But so now they're saying, okay, so we're going to build this smart city. But then in the video you sent me, they say they're going to merge the metaverse with it. So they're going to uh, like layer on top the metaverse. So like, imagine just walking through New York City, but you could also have a digital version of New York City you're walking through, which sounds kind of cool. But it, it it like if that's if it becomes real, like if they were doing it for New York City, that would be one thing, but doing it for this, you know, kind of imaginary smart city that hasn't been built yet. I mean, maybe they'll build it. I could be proven wrong, but then there's a lot of critique around that. On yeah, no, look, look the, the, the thing is a lot of these are incredibly huge ideas and initiatives. And I think, you know, when people don't even understand what a smart city is yet or the metaverse and then trying to do them both at the same time, at this, you know, part of me goes, yes, we need to push and move this as quickly as possible. But at the same time, we also need to do it correctly. We need to do it in a way that people can actually understand it. We're not just creating it for an elitist group of people. Uh, you know, it's not just gated communities, gated, you know, smart cities that are connected to gated yeah. metaverses. Um, and so there's a lot of the fact that this is happening in such a rush right now. I think there'll be a lot of failures around this um, because people are missing, I think, a front end to the whole thing, which is to tell the story of the context of why we need any of this stuff to begin with. What is the what is the reason from a humanity standpoint, from a human emotional standpoint, from a human intimacy standpoint, the things that actually drive individuals and populations as underneath all the sort of megatrends of, of technology and civilization. And that aspect of it is sort of trying to be leap, leapfrogged over by some of these initiatives and some of these giant visions. And big metaverse platforms. And I think uh, in, in some ways, what will happen is the, the role on all this will be slowed um, very organically, because the nature of how humans will start to adapt to it, to adopt it, and how they use it will show where it doesn't work, and where it does work, and then there'll be a reconfiguration. Uh, but you know, people are really jumping into this and trying to throw huge amounts of activity and money and energy, and uh, much of it for very interesting, you know, intentions. Others, yeah, but also, for just yeah, the, the good, others for just Damn. the traditional intentions of capitalism. Yeah, so. and and also just straight up sort of swindling and scamming. I mean, well, yeah, there is that. You know, just like we saw, <laughs> you know, like there's so many of these buzzy things, like. And just specifically this this Saudi Arabian city, they have all these grand plans and they are, they hopped on the eco-friendly, you know, sustainable buzzword. Sustainability has been a big buzzword and in investing as well. Yes. Um, but there's there was actually a BBC article where that said a satellite image currently shows that only a single square of this city has been built in the desert, which is just some row of homes and two swimming, two swimming pools and a football field. And so, you know, maybe it'll eventually build out, but well, yeah, it's, 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 you gotta, especially with the word metaverse, it's so buzzy. Everyone doesn't know what it is. Yeah. What the F even is it? 
And this is an opportunity for people to to kind of say, oh, just buy into this vision. And it's, you know, give 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 me your social tokens or your cryptocurrencies to invest in this. I know. You know and and but that's and what's what's interesting, though, is there are real projects out there as well. So yeah, but, but you're see. right. It goes back into what what's happened in real estate. Real estate's probably the best business on the planet, except for maybe armaments and, and oil and in, in pharmaceuticals. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got this real estate speculation at the core of many business models, uh, many parts of the economy and how it's grown and how it's expanded, many aspects that have been very problematic with the economy. Real estate speculation is at the center of the crash that happened in 2007, 2008. Um, you and know, that's with, actually real real estate. That's I know. Exactly. And so I think you, like, I, I just, believe I, you know, you yeah. know me, I'm all about the metaverse. But, you yeah. know, what is the what, what would you say, Dad, is the real value of digital real estate when it's it's kind of something that a lot of people don't even believe in right now they don't even they're like what even is that it's not it's not even in our physical world what what do you think is the value of it well it's look i was just the point i was making was the yeah. fact that re, the, all the swindles and real estate speculation are going to happen in the context of the metaverse and even connected to sometimes uh, real real estate so so yeah there's that but at the same time i do believe there is inherent value in anything that the group, the hive mind, gives value to overall over a period of time that actually proves that value to have a real usage, a real utility, a real uh, component that is connected to actual human engagement, human empowerment and imagination. I think that because imagination is a huge part of the human experience and really a big part of all human economies, that the, the, the sort of speculation of value in the metaverse is connected to that and can be very real and can be very connected to um, things that bring, uh, you know, positive forms of human interaction, uh, new, new ways of, of accruing and creating value for a creator economy. Uh, coming from that standpoint of, you know, new models of content creation, et cetera. So there, you know, at the same time as I, I think it's important to have a cautionary note around all the swindles yeah. that are happening, because there are a number of them, <laughs> that's for sure. And I think there's going to be a sort of majority of things that kind of fall by the wayside because they don't work. They're still at the center is a giant energy that is happening towards creating the digital twin of the planet, creating a metaverse that people will interact with. One of the things within the World Economic Forum article uh, is about the fact that virtual work is now becoming absolutely a huge normal component of global human activity. Um, and so it's important, they're saying, for you know a metaverse to be formed around virtual work that is connected to inclusivity. Um, and the fact that the World Economic Forum is talking about that, uh, now there might be a lot of critics of the World Economic Forum out there. I, I'm not taking any political side here. I'm just saying that these are large organizations jumping in and saying, look, these trends that are happening in human activity, like virtual work, which was you know, shot to the top of the charts because of the pandemic, and now we're getting to a new normal with the pandemic becoming an endemic, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Human nature has shifted into this idea of virtual yeah. work. And so we are going to need to create 
positive things that are very operable. And even more importantly, and this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about, given there are so many of these metaverse uh, initiatives and projects and platforms that are cropping up everywhere now, I, is the fact that I believe the only positive way to go with all of this is for true interoperability between metaverses, because there's not just going to be one metaverse. There's going to be multiple metaverses that I believe eventually will make up an overall metaverse. And I think going towards an overall metaverse that has true interoperability between these more uh, specific platforms, that is critical. And that goes back to the whole concept of open source and democratization around open source technology. Let's get into that. I mean, and, and on, on the point of what is it worth? Well, someone spent $450,000 to buy land next to Snoop Dogg's NFT house I know. in the metaverse. Yeah. So that's almost half a million dollars to buy, to buy land next to live next to Snoop Dogg digitally. So clearly it's worth something to someone. And personally, you know, I, I'm asking that question, but I, I do think there is value to it. I just don't think maybe it's worth half a million dollars, at, you know, per but for that land. person, but you know, that's that, that, you know, just to play devil's advocate that for that person, it is, it does. And so if right other now, people yeah, then for sure. agree for that person, it does. I mean, value has always been something that comes out of the consensus, out of the group mind, even the value of, you know, precious metals. Okay. They're precious because they're scarce because you, it's hard to find them. And so over time, humanity gave a certain value to precious metals like gold, silver, et cetera, you know, but still that's very perceptive. But there's bubbles, you know, there's yes, bubbles. Exactly. There's, it's still very perceptive. But basically we create the concept of value and the perception of value as, as a group. Uh, of course. In, yeah. In no, I, I agree. I just think that there's bubbles that happen where things are inflated and then eventually, you know, they'll settle down and they'll be kind of the more let's say like a more established floor to what the price is. Um, yeah, we're and, not there. We're not there is, yet. We're definitely not there yet. With no, metaverse, <laughs> we're not sure. there <laughs> at the half a billion dollars. Cause look, I, when people are using this and they're, and they're actually able to exist in these digital spaces and, and work there and actually make money, make, you know, I think I, I do believe that within the next few years, we're going to see a metaverse economy just, Based off of the technology I've used, well, there already is a metaverse economy. Of it course, already, of course, but, but an yeah. even more widespread one. One where yeah. yes. we're talking like you know tens of millions of people who they just make their money from the metaverse. I, I can yes. see that. And then in that world, maybe it is worth it to buy digital land. But we're definitely going, you know, through this this interesting period where it's kind of inflated in some areas, but also also dis like it's not. It, I don't think everything. Because a lot of people are skeptical as well, and I think a big for part good of that reason, for good reason, for good reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think everyone is in, inflated in the same way as maybe with cryptocurrencies. Everyone can just buy into a cryptocurrency and it goes up. But with the metaverse, depending on what you know platform you're using, you might spend that much money for the piece of land, but other piece of land, you know, so-called digital land, might be cheaper. But that goes goes back. I, I want to what you were talking about interoperability yes Maybe explain that like so so, that, so, so that that's that everything that in order right? to, in order for there to be some overarching consensus to what has value what doesn't what value is there has to be interoperability between these sort of 
ideas of multiple gated communities in the metaverse. Um, you know, there's so many of them out there right now that are cropping up because they're being able to raise money uh, because it's a buzzword that is, you know, and then you got Citibank coming out like we reported in our last podcast saying that, you know, the $13 trillion metaverse economy was coming within the next eight years. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and 5 billion people being involved in that time frame, meaning that next year and or the year after, the, you know, it could be a billion people being involved, which is a very big component of the planet. So, you know, we're... Well, they we're said, I think they said 5 billion, right? Yeah, 5 billion yeah. in eight years, exactly. Yeah. So within a few years, we could just have, we could have up to a billion or more. And that means, yeah, you really, you know, are looking at, if there's all these different metaverses that have their own operating systems and their own value equations and their own, which is probably going to happen to a certain degree, just like there was a fragmentation of social media, although then there was a reconsolidation of it because of Facebook buying things like uh, WhatsApp and, and Instagram. Um, you've this idea of having interoperability of that. Let's say your avatar, what represents you and your digital identity will work in this, in the same way it does, you can accrue characteristics that will then be transferable between different metaverses. Um, that you'll have an understanding of how to operate within one metaverse to another, because there are going to be standards created, just like there were standards created that allowed the interoperability of the internet. The you know the the trillion dollar economy of the internet was created because of things like TCP IP and HTTP, these very basic algorithmic standards that allowed things to talk to each other, right? And because yeah. of that, that created this opportunity for something much greater than just the email of AOL, which is where it all started, really, you know? And so the idea of interoperability, which we understand from the internet, needs to be something that really transfers into uh, the overall architecture and thinking of the metaverse. But right now, everyone's kind of staking their own land claim at the moment, which is kind of ironic and even funny because it's in the metaverse. So <laughs> there isn't actually a scarcity of, you know, beachfront property or ice flows in the north or, uh, you know, tropical well, environments. Except for, in the those, except for the, the, the ones that are blockchain powered, where they, they create that digital scarcity and... You know, I think I think so, I think several platforms have that sort of they they've built. Yes, in that's a big part scarcity. of it to, to create yeah. scarcity, just like there's scarcity created in Bitcoin. There's so only so many Bitcoin, right? So there needs to be, uh, you know, a way of interoperability, not only in terms of the technology and the ability to enter the metaverse experience, how you communicate with others, what are the protocols, which then goes and and sort of begs the question of well. If this is almost an, you know, something that's extra global, meaning outside of the globe, outside of the, you know, the confines of nation states and and boundaries that are traditional in the thinking of human interaction. And that's where it gets fascinating, because this idea of us being global humans in the context of the metaverse, that we are not really yeah. in, you know, yet. It doesn't mean you can't have a, uh, an aspect of a metaverse you're involved in that is reflecting the cultural uh, proclivities and aspects of whatever culture or place you're from. That's all, you know, beautiful parts of being human. The fact we have so many different cultural imperatives and, and different uh, aspects of aesthetics and, and, and ritual. But 
at the end of the day, what we're finding out more and more, and I think the, the whole expression of the metaverse is a reflection of this, is that we are interdependent with each other, especially in the context of things like climate and climate change. It's one, probably the big, you know, yeah. sort of two by four that's going to be hit upside our head until we get it, that we're in something that's interdependent with each other. Something that happens on the other side of the globe will affect what my environment will be like over here. And when that starts to happen, it can be reflected in the metaverse, reflected in the ubiquity and the interoperability of the metaverse in a positive way. I think that that can raise the understanding of that interdependence globally on the planet. And that's one of the sort of use cases of the metaverse that is tied to the idea of interoperability. Interesting. Yeah. And yet we have all these separate firms right now raising money, such as the Lego group and Epic Games teaming up <laughs> to build a place for kids to play in the metaverse. And they just actually raised $2 billion in total funding from Sony and the firm behind the Lego, Lego. group. Yes. And it's, I think that's, that's a, a very, very major one to watch because Lego was a part of my childhood. It was a part of your childhood, Shannon. Yeah. Uh, definitely bought you a lot of Lego and also took you to Legoland a couple of times. Yeah, um, that in trains and then like Tom yeah. the, of, of the model trains, you could like the wooden ones you could build. Right, exactly. And so and that and again, both of our childhoods had both of those components, which were sort of builder things. I also had Erector sets. My dad got me Erector sets when I was. Oh, a yeah, kid. I remember those. Yeah. Tinker Toys, which were younger skewing Erector sets. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. but Legos were probably the probably the thing that globally has, you know, really succeeded more than any other in terms of children building things and using their imagination to build things with and guess what guess what legos represent legos represent interoperability there true, true. every lego piece is interoperable with every other lego piece but how would that work digitally isn't the the great thing about legos is you can physically click them together i mean i guess we've seen with minecraft minecraft is almost the digital version of lego yeah, uh, you know, and and Microsoft owns that now. But um, it'll be interesting to see how Epic. I mean, Epic. We talked on the last episode how Epic owns the Unreal Engine, yes, which is a, a huge asset for them. Really, against any of these other players in the space, like yes. Facebook slash Meta company conglomerate, the Apples of the world, even the Microsoft. You know, they may have bought. You know, actually, well, Microsoft also bought Activision. Which which is pretty good. I mean, there all these tech companies are buying up these gaming platforms because they know that these gaming and, and companies is because these gaming engines are going to be essential. But Epic, and especially yeah, essential Epic specifically, two billion essential specifically to the metaverse. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And part of this two billion raised is Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic Games, said this investment will accelerate our work to build the metaverse. Yes. So it's very specific. For the metaverse, and so, and also a little bit about the Lego Group um, metaverse. This is going to be a family-friendly digital experience, which will give kids access to tools that will empower them to become confident creators and deliver amazing play, oppor play opportunities in a safe and positive space. That's the quote from Lego and Epic Games, and that's interesting because we've talked also about how right now VR and especially VR and, you know, and starting to become augmented reality is kind of a dangerous place for kids to be in right now. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I mean, it's yeah. basically like, oh, let's throw my kid into another dimension and not babysit him there. I mean, I, it's almost a Twilight Zone episode. You know, it's, it's like uh, yeah. there's actually a great uh, short story. I think it was written by Bray Bradbury called The Velt, which is about this sort of jungle virtual environment that this, the, this, these parents would leave their kids in. But of course, there are actual lions and tigers in there that can actually eat you. <laughs> so yeah, and, I, and I, great... I mean, I've been in these these games where it's mostly kids using the MetaQuest headset. There's a lot of kids in there, and it doesn't seem like they're being watched by any parents. Even Meta says, "Oh, make sure to have you know, if especially if you're a younger kid, have you know, make sure the parents are there watching every move." And they've rolled out a few parental guidance features. And pr protection features like parents can now on their phone see what their kids are doing in VR in real time, which right. is something that's a good step in the right direction. But I think I think they really it, the idea of building a metaverse from scratch just for kids, especially with a company like Lego and Epic Games, which is of course yeah, Fortnite as well. Which, it's, it's yeah, huge. it's it, that could be that could be a game changer. But at the same time not necessarily interoperable right this exactly is, this is siloing even more. And, and weirdly and weirdly of course the whole thing with legos is that they're interoperable so right. well, there's a lot of blind spots yeah i think that as people of course it's blind spots that are coming from the traditional business models of capitalistic structure which again work very well for many many things i'm not trying to go against capitalism but at the same time there are a lot of pitfalls as well and we want to evolve beyond those pitfalls in a metaverse economy in can you use new Legos value with, equations and new you ways use Legos of Legos with anything else though like you know can you uh, Legos are only interoperable with Legos right <laughs> yeah yes but I'm just using it as a as a sort of visual well, you metaphor you could 3D print it you could 3D print your own Legos I guess <laughs> yeah no but 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 just to, I'm talking about interoperability not not from the staff of the business model of Legos but from the as group so quickly because kids yeah. th that had one set of Legos could work play with other kids that have another set of Legos we all need Need to be able to play in each other's metaverses right that's what i'm saying and and you know there's going to be complex business structures that happen around interoperability i don't think it's uh you know a, a direct sort of binary either you are or not it's something that has to be worked out but i believe larger participants in the metaverse leads to larger value for all the players in it and basically a, a high tide rise all, rises all boats and there's that aspect, especially at this time of the metaverse emerging. So getting to interoperability, especially with certain IP, with certain kinds of experiences, I think is really something very important, something I'm thinking a lot about anyway, in terms of the kinds of things I want to create for the metaverse. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, story based ideas that would be able to translate to any given, quote unquote, metaverse platform. Uh, and that's a you know, sort of, you know, crazy, very. Uh, you know, utopian idea. At the same time, I think it makes business sense because right now everybody needs greater adoption. Everyone needs greater activity and engagement. And so if you can rise that activity engagement for, you know, again, a rising tide rises all boats, that's something that can happen, I think, with certain kinds of experiences in the metaverse that are very human, very connected with emotion and connected with story. And but, that's, yeah. that's one of the things I think uh, is very possible. And we're just seeing, look, we're seeing all the players kind of squaring away into their corners here. 
We're seeing the initial big, you know, money resources going to it. And it's early days. This is this is why we're having this discussion, because it is what the F is this thing going to be that and can will it, will possibly it become, eat, yeah. as you say, you say could possibly eat real reality. I mean, that's, a yeah. you know, you as a millennial living with this more natively than I have can really see that and feel that. I think you even feel and see some of the downsides of it, uh, you know, more palpably than my generation. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, I, mean, it's, I, I think it's we're important. afraid of where a lot of people are afraid of it becoming a situation where the Lego pieces only work with the company that owns Lego, which is Lego. Right. <laughs> and, right. and I think you're right that we it, the in an ideal world, you could have multiple companies that use the Lego structure exactly and use that system, but right, but in our in in, in our and again, reality, here's here's the thing: to, if there would like no, if the internet was not interoperable, we wouldn't have an Amazon. Okay, we wouldn't have yeah many of the things that are you know cornerstones of the modern tech economy uh, globally. And so that's a great point. Yeah, that interoperability of the internet was a hugely innovative thing at the time, and the and the scientists that were the computer scientists that were behind it, uh, some of whom I've met in my travels, you know, that are many of them are fairly you know fairly old now, um, and they all understand that's what they were trying to do. They they wish they would have created it even more in that direction of interoperability and quote unquote open sourced structure. But without those structures, without that that sensibility, that philosophy, we wouldn't have the internet as we do today, and all the entrepreneurial opportunities that come from having an internet that works interoperably. So I believe no, it makes true. firm business sense to have an interoperable metaverse. I really do. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and especially in a world where, like you say, like we've talked about, it's eating actual reality. I mean, if you look at the images coming out of China right now. 25 million people are locked down in Shanghai for their the COVID restrictions. And what they're using are drones. I mean, I sent you the video. You sent me a video that, that literally scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Go I didn't even describe, describe the video, Shannon. <laughs> so basically, it's right out of Blade Runner yeah. where they're, they're using drones, just small, you know, consumer sized drones, but with, with little lights on it, but mounted with loudspeakers. And they're using these drones to blast messages down to the population because there was another video that I didn't even send you because it was so disturbing that I didn't even want to spread. But it, people are literally screaming, blood-curdling screams, like thousands of people. It was in a high-rise community. And everyone's just on their balconies just screaming because they're running out of food. And because these COVID restrictions in China are so severe right now, they're running out of food. And, and then the, the drones come and they blare down the loudspeakers from the drone that says quiet your along the lines of like Qu quiet your soul's uh, desire for freedom yes. you know please stay inside and they're also using yeah, let me, I want to make sure dogs. everyone gets this these are drones over giant loudspeakers saying in chinese quiet your soul's desire for freedom <laughs> and yeah. for freedom yeah quiet your soul's desire for freedom uh and it's echoing between all the buildings in shanghai yeah i mean you couldn't come up with that for a dystopian science fiction movie uh it would seem over the top and yet here it is actually happening in shanghai right now and they're using robotic dogs as well the the kind of 
you know, they kind of Boston, they're not using Boston dynamics, but they've kind of copied that style you might have seen online. Yes, Those four yes. Like four-legged walking dogs. They're strapping loudspeakers to them as well and putting them through the streets. Yep. I mean, and what's interesting about this is it, from my perspective, is this is the digital world reaching out into the physical world, right? These are controlled by just software and just internet connectivity. And we're starting to see, even, even in that video you, you sent me about the, the Saudi Arabian smart city with the metaverse put on top of it, they talked about you being able to control a robot from the metaverse. Yes. You know, so maybe you could be at home, but you know, they sort of hinted at this, you'd, you'd be able to control a robot from your home and it, th these kind of concepts, it, you know, it's, it, it's especially, I mean, it's, it's terrifying when you see it coming, the coming out of China. Well, when it's coming out of a totalitarian order. dictatorship, that's using uh, the, the highest end surveillance combined with AI analysis yeah. in, on the planet, that's literally the matrix of the civilization they're creating there. Uh, and that is not, yeah. terrifying, especially to the Western mind. It's terrifying. And, and it might not be used in the same way in the United yeah. States, but no, it will yeah. be used here. That same technology yeah. will come over to not just the United States, but everywhere in the world within the next, let's say, 10 years. Maybe that's even maybe even happen sooner. But if you look at the trends that start happening in China, that that, you know, the, the technology that they have will quickly spread around the world. So it'll be yeah, it's it's we it, it's, yeah, I don't I don't know how it'll be used in 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 the US but you know maybe I mean actually already companies are starting to use drones for deliveries we've heard a lot about that in the previous years that they would use drones for deliveries but a lot of companies such as Amazon and Walmart are actually starting to do it within the next few months yeah and you know so that'll and be And by the way I think way. that it's important everyone understand the things we're talking about right now like interoperability with robots being controlled by someone remotely through a metaverse inter interface. This is all part of what we talk about when we're saying what the F is the metaverse. It's, it's this, this, yeah. this conglomeration of all these different devices and enablements that are new that are being networked together on a global scale uh, and allowing humans to inter interface with them virtually. I mean, that's, Right there, uh, you know, a kind of a larger subset of what we talk about when we're talking about what the F is the metaverse. And so it's, you know, all these yeah. considerations that we're talking about, these dystopian considerations need to be talked about and examined. And there needs to be protocols and an ethical framework that comes to being around what this thing is at least to counteract the things that are happening in totalitarian dictatorships like China. You know, it's, I'm not saying we can, you know, we're going to be able to control what happens uh, in places like that, but it, it has to have a counterpoint because that is going to become a very big usage of, of the metaverse, basically control. Yeah. Controlling people through the metaverse is one of the things that we're seeing already starting to happen. And it's already, even in the United States, it's already changing the way we talk. There's something called algo-speak, which was reported by the Wall Street Journal, where this is an increasingly common across the internet as people seek to bypass content moderation filters on social media platforms such as TikTok. So algo-speak is code words or turns of phrase that are being adopted in, a, in an effort to create brand-safe lexicon 
that will avoid getting their posts removed or taken down by content moderation systems. So for instance, in many online videos, it's common to say unalive instead of dead because unalive won't flag the content moderation system. So wow. you know, it's already starting to change the way we speak and interact. We're already with hacking the, the metaverse with language and it's yeah. barely even here yet. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's right. true. And, wow. and you know, I think a lot of people are worried about Mark Zuckerberg and we even reported on some kind of things they were doing that was, and obviously they, they haven't had a good history as a company, but I don't think a lot of people have, they don't, they don't have goodwill. And, but at the same time, they have one of the most dominant metaverse platforms, yeah. especially in the U S and, and around the world. And that is their MetaQuest VR headset that we've talked a lot about, but there's an interesting news story I want you to respond to, Dad. Um, that was reported by Tay Kim from Bloomberg, and he was talking on Twitter about. And he's a very he has some, some good insights. Tay Kim, and he, he said there's some flaws in Meta slash Facebook yes. parent company's strategy. And and here's the reason. And I think it was very smart insight because I personally have been a huge. I, I'm thinking, oh. They've got it. Like the MetaQuest is such a compelling product. They're so far ahead of Apple. I've said on past podcasts, they're so far ahead. I, I personally don't see how Apple can catch up. But Tay right. Kim disagrees because he says that the two components needed are advanced semiconductors and software tools and Apple's custom silicon, which they've been rolling out in their computers and, of course, with iPhones. But now, most recently, with the Mac Studio, they just announced with yeah. the M1 Ultra chip, which they're doing some really amazing things with these with these custom silicon chips that are low power, so they use less power, and they're yeah. extremely powerful. So, so that could enable, and also software tools on top of that, which Apple is, is really good at. So this puts Apple in a great position. And of course, there's a lot of rumors about Apple getting into this space. We don't know when, but within the next one or two years, Apple's rumored to jump into metaverse technology like virtual reality or augmented reality. So this this could be a huge blow to Facebook. And and I don't know, it, a lot of people might prefer an Apple metaverse. What, what do you think about this? Well, I mean, it, these are religions. I, I see these different things like Apple and Android and Facebook slash meta. They're almost like religions, human operating systems with that have beliefs behind them, a kind of aesthetic aspect all religions have all of those things. And people become zealots of these religions. I mean, they're, you know, I'm an iPhone user. I, I would never go to an Android. I'm already an Apple zealot, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and so I think you're going to be seeing um, these, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about is, you know, the philosophical structures around, quote unquote, metaverses. They're almost going to be, in a sense, their own kind of religious states of mind, um, that are going to have their own belief systems. They're going to have the way in which people communicate with each other. There's going to be protocol rules. All of these things that are, you know, the operating systems of, of humanity, which go back to ancient tribal ritual and the way in which we've, you know, communicated with each other uh, from, from ancient times onward. There's a kind of ancient future component to the metaverse that's very, very interesting because we've gone through, you know, a, a period of, of, you know, the 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 rational age and the age of reason and, uh, you know, the right. age of, of really the Tower of Babel, all these different kind of, you know, representative languages trying to represent human experience and thought. And, and yet 
that has also been a Tower of Babel. The, that metaphor from the Bible is extremely potent. Um, and, and so we're almost going to a kind of post-linguistic, post-Tower of Babel experiential language that the metaverse will exist within. And that's why I think there's going to be different sects of the metaverse, S-E-C-T-S, different sects that are like religious sects. Um, and that's where one of the courses, one of the more, more evolutionary things has happened on the planet. When religions would work together, you know, uh, in a way in which there was interoperability so that you weren't judged only for having that one religious belief. Of course, that's fallen down in human history more than it's actually risen in an evolutionary sense. But there's still been moments and still, you know, structures and organizations that are about the interoperability between beliefs, belief structures. We have to be aware that belief structures will will inhabit these things we call the metaverse as well, because it's human nature. And so trying to set in the beginning here, true interoperability, a true um, lack of judgment between different protocols, different systems, and allowing that to, you know, be generative and regenerative. Uh, and to look at, you know, the internet, which has got many, many flaws and many, many things wrong with it, but that was interoperable and created a kind of new economic stimulus that happened in all parts of the globe that had access to it. There's still, you know, a lot of non-access out there. And that's one of the other aspects, which is inclusivity, which the World Economic Forum brought up, which is inclusivity of the of the metaverse so that anyone anywhere can become part of this new experience of the digital twin, the new economic structures and value structures. And of course, there's a lot of economic determinism in those questions uh, that really need to be looked at, you know, um, and so, well, with Apple, I mean, yeah, and I and and I think it's really important for it to be inclusive to all different. And, and I think inherently it is more inclusive because it removes your your physical ability. It's easier to to be in one place and move through the metaverse. But we can build tools to make it more inclusive. I mean, that's a, that's a huge a huge yeah. It is automatically sure. yeah. more inclusive because your location, how you physically look. Um, what, you know, these things are kind of not operable in the metaverse and you can actually mutate those things and change them and they have mutability. And so there's something that we can lean into, which are the positive aspects of metaverse creation, which is that it's almost inherently more inclusive right now than most other structures ever have been because it literally is in a digital, you know, synthetic environment. <laughs> so it's, Yeah. And Apple has made huge, huge. Apple is one of the best you know, at, at, at making their devices inclusive. I hope every company strives to make an inclusive platform. I think that yes. that's important. We need everyone to be able to use these platforms and otherwise they'll fail. However, will each platform work with the other platforms to your point about interoperability? The app store, right? Which is not an open internet. They took the open internet and then they said, well, let's do this thing called apps. And I think Apple and even you know, okay, Mark Zuckerberg has talked about this. He's said that he wants, he, you know, the metaverse has to be interoperable. He's said that it has to work with other platforms. But I think Apple would not necessarily go down that same route. No, They're because all about the, the App Store, garden. which many, 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 many people are 
very pissed at <laughs> in terms of the amount they take and and yeah. the control they have over what goes out there in the app ecosystem. Uh, you and know, of course, you really yeah. have to work around the app e ecosystem to have true open source anything. You have to work around those kinds of structures. It's not that it hasn't been a brilliant business uh, thing for them, but it's something that does not really talk, speak to interoperability or to the idea of a true open sourced metaverse for everyone. But they um, argue that it's safer. They argue that yes, they're keeping yeah. us safe and that they're they're preventing apps to have malicious intent and you know steal our data. They just recently rolled out just this in this past year, this this app tracking. So everyone has to opt into tracking now, which actually ruined Facebook's business <laughs> in many ways. I mean, they didn't, it, you know, Facebook is able to survive yeah. it, but it was a huge blow. It was a huge blow to Facebook's business when Apple turned on this optionality to yes. app tracking where users yes. can now say that they don't want to be tracked in their apps. And that's a big vote. That's something that's good for privacy, right? I agree. So Apple, Apple is is making huge strides there, and it, but at the same time, it it is less interoperable. But okay, but here's the big difference I think, right? With your phone, if no matter if you're on an Android phone or an iPhone, you can always turn off your phone and go back to reality, right? <laughs> because reality, the real world, is interoperable. But when we're talking about the metaverse. Now we're talking about something that could be you're wearing it all the time, what, you know, you know, and, and, and that sounds crazy, but I think it won't sound very crazy within five to 10 years when these devices are really lightweight and we're consuming a lot of content and we're, it's augmented reality. You're wearing these devices. I mean, we're already on our phones almost all the time. So it makes sense that we would then sort of just continue that and, and it's and it's honestly from what I view it's it's easier to interact with what you don't have to hunk your neck doesn't have to be crooked you don't have to be hunched over your phone when you're in the metaverse you can be doing whatever you're doing but that can also just mean sitting on the couch if you don't want to leave the couch you don't have to but but this but this means though that if you're locked into the Apple metaverse you truly won't leave it <laughs> I know I know and that, that is where I think Mark Zuckerberg actually has some good points, where Mark Zuckerberg is, is fighting against that. He's saying, no, this has to be something that's interoperable. Yeah, I and, know. I think that's a very and, positive yeah. thing that he said. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see the structures he puts in place to help support that. Exactly. Um, you yeah. know, but I, I agree with you. And just like, you know, religions have not been interoperable, you know, that you either are Catholic or a Muslim or or you're, you're an adherent of Judaism or, you know, there's many sort of closed thought processes around these different sort of religious states of mind. That's why it's important to not let the metaverse necessarily move in that direction, because those those, those structures have also been the biggest excuse for war and for uh, conflict between humans uh, more than anything else on the planet. And it's the just, coexist. We need the coexist bumper. Exactly. Coexist in peace. I mean, there's a there's <laughs> an overall uh, thing of peace, peace through technology um, as opposed to conflict through technology is something that really needs to be a core ethos, I think, at the core of what people develop as their use case for the metaverse and what they do then with themselves when they're in it. Uh, again, it goes back to this idea of creating a 
an ethical structure, something that is at least a conversation around that that's constantly growing and changing and living uh, over time uh, between all the people that are developing these technologies and the content and interaction of the metaverse and those that are using it. And hopefully those become one and the same thing because empowering people to create their own aspects, I think is one of the other, you know, their own experiences, their own aesthetics, their own feeling of imaginative creation and empowerment. That's got to be a core aspect of what the metaverse is all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I mean, and, it, and I think, you know, that I think it makes perfect business sense to do that as well. I don't think it goes against uh, the idea of something that can be, be very popular because of that, because true empowerment of creation and the structures that supply it, that supply that and support that are actually have a great business model behind them as well. So, and you know, peace kind of comes down to content moderation, at, you know, in, in many ways when it turns of digital. So, and I think we've touched on this, but it's, it kind of has to become some sort of decentralized autonomous organization that can moderate these worlds, and you know, unless it's a centralized moderation yeah, that's which, keeping the peace. Which, which has problems. Every time we centralize everything, at the same time, there's a paradox here. Centralization creates efficiencies, which actually get things done. And then decentralization creates inefficiencies that can lead to just sort of a mob rule chaos. Yeah. And so we have to find a balance in what a DAO is and what centralized control and decentralized components are all about. I don't think we've found the answers to that yet. I don't think that I think that yeah. there's a lot of people that are studying those things and working within structures and trying to make them work. But we're not there yet. That's why at the core, this discussion needs to continue. We're not going to actually answer the question what the F is the metaverse in this podcast. Once we do, the podcast will be over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll reach the end. But it's, exactly. It, and so that, that aspect of keeping an open discussion going and really making people aware of the stakes and how high the stakes are as this thing we call the metaverse truly emerges, that's the most important thing for people to understand right now because there's not a lot of answers to all these things yet. There are people working very hard in groups and even AI out there working hard to figure out some of the questions and answers here. But I don't, I don't think we should say that in any way we're close to really defining it yet. We are still in a world in which the question, what the F is the metaverse, is actually the operative term. Uh, we're not coming with answers, folks. We're coming with really the fact that we need to have this discussion be open-ended and very robust at this point. Subscribe to the podcast because next week we should talk about the DALL-E open AI uh, generative image generation tool, which is very interesting. So we'll save that for next Yes, next absolutely. Podcast. Well, there's a whole thing around AI image generation that I'm getting involved with uh, through some very good friends of mine. And, and uh, you know, this is a big, big area of, I think, a very positive aspect of what AI, augmented intelligence, that's what I call it, not artificial intelligence, uh, can be a part of. And it's very yeah. exciting because it brings a thrill of creation. And I think the thrill of creation needs to be at the core, along with imagination, needs to be at the core of what humans do in the metaverse. Listen, yeah. people, thanks so much for listening once again. My sign off. I love you, son. 
I love you, Dad. And thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And special thanks to Greg Leonard for the original theme song for What the F is the Metaverse. <laughs>